Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. It is me, your host, Dave Wakeman. Uh, this is May 2022. I'm going to try to do a little bit of different stuff here and focus on things like recovery now. And in that vein, I have a gentleman by the name of Asher Weiss on the podcast today to talk about his new startup and blockchain ticketing, because I think there could be some utility here um, for people who are working towards recovery. And we will talk about that a little bit more in a second. But before we talk more about Asher and what he's working on, let me remind you to check out my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. You can find them at bookingprotect.com. Uh, we have some new stuff in the works, but uh, definitely take some time to look at refund protection right now. Uh, the data is still very, very clear that people are looking for the peace of mind that refund protection um, gives them. When I was at the Tickets Professionals Conference in Birmingham, refund protection was a super popular topic of discussion. So talk to Haley, Kat, Simon, anyone on the team at Booking Protect. Uh, if you want a specific person, just send me a note, daviddavewakeman.com, and I will hook you up with their information and get you right to them. It's super important to just recognize that this is something that customers are looking for. They're looking for security, peace of mind. Uh, things can still feel uncertain. So give it a look, bookingprotect.com. For me, I want you to check out the newsletter, Talking Tickets. You can find it at talkingtickets.substack.com. That is my ticket newsletter. That's where you find most of the stuff uh, here on the podcast and then the tickets newsletter. So talkingtickets.substack.com. Each week I cover uh, the global ticket market. So check that out. And there will be some new stuff coming up uh, as things move into the summer. I've even talked about doing a workshop in London, which is seeming more likely than not, plus maybe something in conjunction with the Ticketing Professionals Conference in Australia on November uh, 2nd and 3rd uh, in Parramatta, one of my favorite places, uh, because it's a suburb of Sydney, and Sydney is definitely one of my favorite places. Uh, Angela and Joe do a great job, so check that out. Ticketingprofessionals.co. or .au.com, ticketingprofessionals.au.com, sorry. Um, but back to Asher. So Asher is the CEO of a company called Tixology, working around blockchain ticketings. Uh, when I first floated the idea of doing a series of conversations around recovery and ways that people can do a better job of recovering from the pandemic, Asher said, how can I help? And uh, what do you think about what I'm doing here? And do you think it would be valuable in that vein? And I said, I thought so. Because um, this conversation focuses on a couple of really important things, which is um, revenue, uh, understanding and using data in a way that will make you make better decisions, that helps you make better decisions, not make you make better decisions. You can still make stupid decisions uh, even without anybody's help. Uh, but it helps you understand how to make better decisions. Uh, we talk about the incremental revenue that you can create using the blockchain. We talk about the secondary market. We talk about collectibles. Um, we talk about some of the stuff and get a little bit more in-depth on this around um, 
you know, what actually a collectible will be. And the thing I like about it is Asher felt comfortable helping frame it as a strategy versus tactical decision. We talk about um, pricing, the NBA, the chain of custody, which is a pretty fairly common uh, idea that people understand blockchain and NFTs through. We talk about the role of marketing and how blockchain technologies can help you be more effective at marketing. We find ways to make data useful. We talk about, um, you know, things that event users can use as part of the blockchain to help them sell more tickets, generate more revenue and reach an audience Um, to kick off this whole idea of things that we can do and ways we can think about recovery. uh, This is a pretty good conversation. Um, I find that Asher has a way of talking about the blockchain that makes me not roll my eyes, you know, and go, Oh, I can't believe it. You know, so this is a little, this is an interesting conversation. Uh, I'll be curious what all of you take from this on the business of fun. I'd like to welcome Asher Weiss from Tixology to the business of fun, but this is a special business of fun because this is the road to recovery episodes of the business of fun so the whole thing we're going to talk about is like how people can now recover from i don't know if the pandemic's over because we were talking about my battle with the covid just now but um hopefully as people uh, have a little more stability um there's things they can move forward because i think there's going to be changes and so thank you you were like very, the very first person to, to um volunteer to, to be a part of to help in any way uh so i'm thankful for you for the offers i'm thankful for you to be for being here i think we're going to have fun i think this is going to be great um and you're going to teach me exactly why blockchain and nfts matter uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes so how's it going, man? yeah it's going great thanks thanks a lot dave for having me I, you know really appreciate it we've talked a little bit about this before but um excited to to dive deeper into it today and um share a little bit more about you know why we feel that uh blockchain ticketing is is really the future of ticketing right what the difference is is like what we talked about before it was friendly dave now this is like dave at the big chair he's the scary <laughs> dave <laughs> which yeah, of course exactly. no I'm one ready. buys that no one buys it at all <laughs> i'm ready for it <laughs> <laughs> that's good all right so all right so we're gonna we're gonna talk about this the blockchain and i, ha- I have a couple things that i'm curious about but number one i think is why does it this makes sense now right because we've had a pandemic that has disrupted people's lives for almost two and a half years by the time they're going to hear this episode in some cases uh in some places people are coming back in other places they're not um you know the, 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 there's technology available but people haven't had a lot of money coming in if any um you know why why should they be considering this now you know why is this should this be a priority and why will it be helpful for helping people recover Totally. Yeah. Uh, great question. I think, you know, there's a, there's a few different things going on here. I think the pandemic obviously hit the the entertainment and sports and, you know, ticketing world pretty hard in general, but, um, you know, also gave people a big opportunity to kind of take a look at their ticketing and say, um, you know, is, is this, is this the right fit for us? And is this really, you know, everything we can, we can possibly doing to help both our business and also help our customers at the end of the day. Right. So, um, you know, when you, when you look at, look at it from that angle, and, and start to think through where are the opportunities for growth here. Um, you know, there's some obvious ones we can we can start to talk about. 
um, in terms of blockchain ticketing. Um, I think the, the biggest one and the hottest one is obviously revenue, right? And, and finding ways to to generate incremental revenue um, in this in these in these areas where where um, like you said, a lot of people got hit really hard. So um, you know, starting there and, and finding ways to to help people kind of tap into the to the secondary market, um, a collectibles market, which is entirely new space, and we can talk more about that too. Um, but also just taking taking more control over that ticketing experience from start to finish, and and creating something that um, is both um, you know fully integrated and, and customized to align with with the event and the brand, um, but also just makes makes the customers' lives a lot easier and and makes it easier for them to um, really trust that the the ticketing the, the tickets they're buying are are real and priced fairly and and um, and and are going to get them into the event that they that they plan to get into. Um, so there's there's a whole lot going on there. But in terms of why now, I think it's just a great opportunity coming out of this pandemic to to start to really um, uh, chip away at some of those pain points in in ticketing that have that have been around for so long. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. All right, which is good. It's good. This makes the this makes recovery and the conversation good. Um, but I'm curious. I'm sort of struggling trying to figure out which where, where to start. And I think maybe let's start with the idea of incremental revenue because that's where you started. And so one thing I try to do a lot more, and, and I think it's even more become more helpful, more useful um, that I recognize this now is when you talk about incremental revenue, because you talk about the secondary collectibles uh, control. You know, what are some of the incremental revenue streams that you see or that you use or that you tell people about right away? Because um, famously or infamously, I think probably even better uh, at Intix one time, somebody goes, well, we, we're stuck with the same six uh, revenue streams. And I said, if that's your opinion and that's the, the way you approach your job, you should go look for a new job. And I was it came off much ruder than I wanted to. But now I have embraced that I, I was being a, a bit of an asshole. Um, you know, so like, let's talk about what incremental revenue looks like using this kind of technology. And. I think maybe it might even be helpful of how you approach incremental revenue with your partners, mm -hmm. because I, I I think probably where we both are going to come down is that like it does open up all these new opportunities, um, it, you know, and I want to see what the creative process is when you walk people through. Totally. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, the exciting thing about about, you know, what we're hoping to do in the space is that, um, like you said, there is so much that can be done with this with this um, with this technology and with especially with what we're building as well. Um, but we want to really empower our customers and empower the, the venues and event producers and teams that we're working with um, to, to use the technology and use our tech um, how they see fit and in line with their brand. So it starts with, like you said, kind of some of the more obvious um, incremental revenue sources right around tapping into the secondary market and making sure that any sales that happen after that primary sale um, are tracked and, and revenue is collected there um, which is something that you know a lot of ticketing providers have tried to solve for but ultimately it's not uh, it's never going to be entirely possible without blockchain technology and so making sure that that um, you're, you're capturing revenue from all those sales um, there's the collectibles piece right and the fact that in our case the ticket itself is an nft and so after the event 
um, it continues to live on in, in people's um, wallets in a way where they can um, continue to either keep it as a collectible or or sell it in the future, right? And potentially start to, to recoup some of their investment from going to the show, but also, again, gives another opportunity for, for um, you know, the event producer to to continue to make revenue off the, off the ticket even after the show ends. But then there's some other kind of like less obvious um, incremental revenue pieces, like you said, Dave, and I think, um, you know, partnerships, for example, sponsorships and partnerships, I think is an incredible opportunity here um, to dive into that a little bit deeper. Um, you know, blockchain technology really facilitates easy asset verification, tracking and control over the asset itself. And so, um, you know, event producers can now know who owns the ticket at any point in time um, and start to capture incredible insights into those ticket holders, um, you know, whether that's just the events they attend, where they sit at those events, um, but even taking it a step further into their purchase decisions and, and you know, merchandise and food and beverage decisions at those events. Um, and it starts to unlock some really incredible opportunities um, to, to to target those those customers based on their event history and those purchases at those events. Um, and so I, I honestly look at, you know, I've had some good conversations on the partnership side of things in the sports world as well. And there, there's so much opportunity there to, to take those data points and create really incredible, um, you know, and, and immersive partnership experiences um, based on based on that data, right? Whether that's test driving a car because, you know, you, you are constantly, um, you know, Know, going to the game and sitting in a lower level seat, right? Maybe a premium car dealership is now, uh, you know, interested in kind of that subsection of people, uh, or maybe you know, pre pre surfacing offers for food and beverage if you if you've bought food at, at previous games, um, you know, all kinds of things like that. I think are incredible opportunities and could start to generate new revenue sources for for um, event producers. Okay, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, this is. I guess it kind of builds off of the off of all this so far, it, but one of the challenges I think that uh, um, people run into a lot, and, and I don't think this is the case. I know this is the case um, because I talk to people, and it's like a lot of times, like it, it's that um, it, it's uh, it's figuring out how to be creative is, is I guess the best way of putting it. You know, and how do you help people? Because this is new technology, right? So the number one, you're you're getting people to adapt to new technology, and change is something that you know um, can be challenging for organizations and people in the best of times. Because, I mean, frankly, in too many instances, people are um, there's a bias towards the status quo, and the new technology or the new idea or the new solution. Um, has to prove its worth before it's tried as opposed to like being given the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Um, how do you help people under, like become more creative? Because, you know, I don't disagree with you about the food and beverage or like the car things or like, you know, tracking p data and everything else. But I also wonder, like knowing what I know about the technology and knowing what I know about partnerships and sponsorships and opportunities is like, going, if that's as far as you get, it's great. Right. Like, OK, that's that's a little bit. Better. But I know that you can go so much further. <laughs> and like, so how do you help people do that is the is really the question, especially like in this environment where there is a bias towards like stick, let's keep things the same, even though, you know, like, how do you do that? 
and I'm curious, like, this is, this is something I want to totally steal. So give me your best answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a great question and, and I don't, you know, I, there's no necessarily one right answer or one easy answer here, but I think it starts by, um, you know, e easing people in, right. With any new technology, um, you know, you need to get people to kind of dip their toe in first to, to kind of start to see what's possible. Um, and then the more and more immersed you get into it, um, you start to see that there's, there's so many more things there. So like I said, um, you know, initially it kind of just starts with, with getting people, um, you know, trying the tech and, and starting to collect some of that data, right. And, and, and starting to build, you know, deeper fan profiles around who's actually attending their events and, and what are they doing at those events, right. So it starts with a, a really big kind of data capture element. Um, but then in terms of encouraging creativity beyond that. Um, Before you, know, you go, can I, let me, can I yeah. hit, one, hit, hit on top of that? Yeah, of So course. when you say dip your toe in, because, it, and this is like where, where something that I use too, it's like, well, if I can get some small victories, I get mm -hmm. people to do this. And so when you say dip your toe in, what does that look like for people? Because I think that'd probably be helpful for people to understand, you know, I'm certain that people build it up in their head. Oh my God, this is going to be like this huge thing and it's going to take this huge amount of work to be able to um, apply and use. And you said dip your toe in, which is the opposite of that. So what do you mean by dip your toe in? Yeah. So, so, you know, a big kind of piece of our mission, I'm glad you brought this up too, is, you know, that, that, um, we we are the experts in, in blockchain, so you don't have to be, right? And we talk about this a lot. We want our customers, um, both you know the event producers, but also the fans, to be able to really get started in this in this space of blockchain and NFTs without having any kind of deep seated or previous tech knowledge there. So when I talk about dip my toe in, I mean get started with you know with blockchain ticketing and and start to you know really tap into some of those things that are automatically going to be happening just by using you know. A blockchain ticketing platform like ours, right? We talk about the incremental revenue capture. That's something that's going to be happening, um, you know, just by just by getting on our platform. Uh, the data capture element, starting to build out those profiles, uh, eliminating fraudulent tickets is another big one, right? And and finding a way to you know create tickets that are that are completely real and there's no way to duplicate them, um, you know. Uh, and then the last piece is is um, you know kind of starting to play around with the actual ticket itself and using. The ticket as a as a way um, you know to engage with the fans on a deeper level and start to you know create collectibles as well. Like we we you know a big piece of our our platform is a is a ticket designer that allows anyone to create you know design and create NFT tickets in real time, right? And so things like that where we're you know it, it makes it easy for you to start using the tech and start dipping your toe in, like we said, um, to get to a place where you're starting to see some incredible benefits. Um, you're starting to capture some great data and some new revenue sources. And then you can start to get deeper down the rabbit hole of what's possible around fan clubs or, um, you know, targeted offers or, um, you know, extensions of the ticket, whatever that may be. Right. So um, mm -hmm. that's kind of that's kind of, you know, how we how we think about that. So just so I understand that. So like right like let's say I, I call you up I go Asher I want to do this, um, and I I just click you know, I turn it on right I'm like and I go through the process so right away I'm going to have the ability to understand like create different revenue streams like incremental revenue right to using food and beverage or mm -hmm. merchandise and things like this mm -hmm. and then the data capture just comes as a natural extension of everything exactly right so we want to make okay. that super go ahead. seamless. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we want to make that super seamless and easy to start capturing more data on the fans, right? And so, you know, with the right integrations with, you know, payment providers or, you know, other other vendors and things like that, we can start to create a really kind of clear picture of who the actual fans are, right? And, and kind of bring everything into one ecosystem. Like ultimately, you know, with the event experience, the fan experience, the pieces of it are very fragmented, right? We've got, you've got ticket sales in one place, you've got food and beverage, you know, handled by a different vendor in another place. You've got retail in another place. Trying to find a way to make sense of the madness and and create a, a clear picture of who the true fans really are and and what kind of you know buying decisions they're making. So again, and if this is if I'm asking this in the wrong way or I'm asking it like in a way that doesn't make sense, you tell me because that'll that'll be helpful to everybody. Because if yeah. I if I can if I ask a question that doesn't make sense, then I'm sure everybody else is. Like it doesn't make sense too. So it's good that you stopped me. Um, but so you're saying that using something like this, we would have an opportunity to kind of break down the silos and like it would give everything an opportunity to come together in a more comprehensive, a fuller, uh, whatever term you'd like to use manner. Um, and, and so let me go to the next level there. Then does this help it make, does this make it easier for people to have insights um, as opposed to just big groups of data, because I, I mean, everybody's like talking about their data, right? Data, mm-hmm. data, 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 crazy, crazy as you can get with data. Um, but the insights are difficult to come by. So does this, this aggregating this, and if that's the wrong term, you tell me nope. what would be a better term. All of this data in the one spot, does that help? Does Definitely. that like make, make the insights better? Does it, you know, like, you know, and how does that play out? Yeah, no, 100%. So like I said, like it starts with just, you know, starting to capture the data, right? And some of that data, um, you know, is is captured in different silos, like you said already. Um, some of that data around ticketing isn't captured because of the lack of, you know, blockchain technology tracking the ticket itself and, and you know, understanding who actually holds the ticket at any point in time. So combining the fact that the ticket now, there's deep insights into who holds the ticket at any point in time and any transactions that happen on the ticket, along with the data that's already being captured in other silos to create a more full picture is exactly, you know, is exactly the end goal. And that's, um, you know, starting to pull out, like you said, insights and trends of, you know, what what are some actionable pieces here um, that, that you know, we can act on? Is there, are there trends in, you know, uh, what types of people attend these specific games or what types of people attend concerts on, you know, weekdays early in the week right all kinds of things like that are are pieces of data that could that could truly change the game around um you know event marketing and ticket sales and all those kind of things yeah let me now this is something i'm curious about and because this is like you know i'm fortunate that like people from all over the place listen to this thing um is the chain of custody because i know that's one of the big things about the blockchain that it enables us to have a understanding of who you just mentioned it just now who owns the ticket at any one point in time mm-hmm. what are some of the things and i think when i think of like a ticket changing hands multiple times i often think about the brokers and um mm-hmm. but i know it's not necessarily exactly right because then i know there's also corporate partners who like let's use for an example um what's on my desk here apple everything on my desk is apple okay so if apple has a has a client and they want to you know, it starts out whatever who's holding the account, master account, mm-hmm. passes along to the, the business developer or whomever, 
this developer passes it along to their, their client person, 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 like, and it ends up like two or three steps away. I guess that would also be a, an instance too, where you could go like, Hey, look, Apple, you had, you have these tickets that you're using uh, that you want to use for X thing, but they actually end up going through like three or four people's hands on the other side. They're not being used effectively. So am I, is that right? Am I, am I said, Am I 100%. using an example that works? Yeah, that's a that's a great example. Okay, and and then for the brokers, you could you could you could even see like where the tickets are being bought and resold three or four times, and then that could tell you I get and and, and this this is where I'll really need your help here is you know like if a broker is reselling two or three times, I guess that can tell you either a like how to stagger your on sales. Um, or how to, you know, what, what exactly, what are some of the scenarios that that information is? Cause you're shaking your, you're not in your head, but we won't use video. So yeah, um, at least yeah, yeah. for an audience of one, there's a, there's a couple, you know, really interesting things here. I think, um, you know, just to give, just to give one example, but I think, um, I, you know, I, again, is, is can kind of start to, to start to share some insights on where the where some of the value is here but um you know if you look at if you look at an nba season for example right and, and a team uh looking to sell you know the inventory for those those 41 home games right that they're having each year there's always going to be um some games that are that are you know notoriously uh notoriously hard to sell right or or notoriously hard to attend and and there's also going to be games where um, you know, their season ticket holders are considered at risk if they're not attending those games, right? And so being able to to dive deeper into a season ticket holder's account, for example, and see which events they're actually attending versus what tickets are being passed on or resold um, or put somewhere else um, can be extremely valuable in terms of retaining those, those, you know, members and those people who are, you know, at risk if they're not attending those games, right? So taking those insights and using that to, you know, reach out to those people and say, hey, you know, we noticed you haven't been actually using your tickets. You know, is there anything we can do differently? Is there anything you're looking for? You know, all kinds of things like that. That's just one example there. Um, but, you know, there's there's other other insights on the other side, right? Even around pricing, right? And how do you think about pricing your tickets? And like you said, exactly, right? Having a, having, you know, now if you suddenly have this data that you know, there's there's all this activity a week before the event, or there's a, this activity the day before the event, or here are the price trends that are happening leading, you know, the week leading up to. Um, as an event producer, you can start to, or a broker, you can start to think about pricing your inventory based on those, um, you know, real life trends in the market. And I think that's another thing where it's just been hard to, you know, identify those those trends or identify those key insights that can then actually be put into put into place and and affect you know, pricing. So there's, that's just an example on the pricing side. And then also an example on just the engagement side and making sure that, you know, the people who, who, you know, you know, really you want them attending the events and you want them engaged um, on the data side as well. Right. Yeah. And, and that, so the, the, as you were talking about this too, I, it got me thinking about one additional question on this topic, mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, so I know that most uh, consolidators, most brokers, most partners, with the primary side have a, an agreement where there was shared data. Mm -hmm. I also know that like in a lot of cases, um, maybe that data is not always the hundred percent the best. Um, or 
I'm sure it's not always 100% accurate. And I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that that's, you know, done maliciously or like with any ill intent. I mean, you know, it's just like it's hard to keep this stuff yeah. clean. Um, yeah. Something like using blockchain and some of this stuff, though, this would help you improve the quality of that data. Am I, yes. am I, am I yep. accurate in that guess? Yeah, you're okay. definitely you're definitely hitting that hitting that point home, which is which is you know super important here. Is like because you know the the blockchain is is a secure ledger, right? And it's in its very kind of core core usage of of the technology. Um, you know you can you can guarantee that the data captured um, you know on the chain through these transactions is going to be accurate, right? And so that's another that's another really important piece is is you know knowing that the data being captured um, around you know the ticket behavior and all kinds of things like that is going to be is going to be um, 100% real and correct right right and, and how easy is it to run reports and to get get at, you know and just like to access and use this data because that's also something that I know that like just uh, a lot of times when I'm working with somebody and we we have to run reports so we have to get reports sometimes it's like hard to pull the thing together you know it's uh yeah. because you're pulling I mean part of it I think is from what you've told me is like because it's pulling stuff together just naturally it makes it easier to pull the reports um and i you know so i think part of that is but how so how how easy is something like this to use and make the data and like reports just more useful for people yeah for sure so you know that's something that you know as we as we um you know get further you know get further into things and and onboard more customers we want to work with our customers on that right to identify like what are the what are the really valuable pieces here of information that we can help you pull out you know right now it it, like i said it really just starts with starting to collect accurate data right and starting to really build out you know these fan profiles and the data that's actually being collected on people um and then eventually can unlock all kinds of things so um you know initially initially that starts with you know we you can you can kind of use the data however you'd like um but then as we continue to work with our customers right finding what are the really key areas we can help them hit home on right what are the what are the trends that we can help them pull out from that data those are all things we want to be you know we want to we want to help our partners with and and we know we can um we just we want to make sure that that the stuff we're building and the and the you know, trends and insights that we're offering are of value to the people using yeah. our tech, right? So it's kind of a, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg problem, right? But, um, you know, making sure that that we're working with our partners to to help them pull out the, the data that's uh, important to them and meaningful to them, right? Right. Oh, yeah. No, to me, it sounds like the, the in, in this, it, se- it should seem simple to everybody is like you start by cutting off the cycle of garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> and, then, exactly. and then if you get past that you can start to do use, useful stuff but the first thing exactly. is just like getting rid of this that the cycle of we're just keep putting good bad information on top of bad information yep. and it gives us just bad information at every step of the way and it, yep. you know and even if that i mean honestly for me and understanding how the challenge that a lot of people are dealing with if you just are able to stop that, it would be extremely helpful because exactly you can't, if you have bad data, you can't make good decisions. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, as this, simple as that this, sounds. You know, this leaky bucket idea, right? Where like, you know, there's there's just like you said, there's just 
you know, inaccurate data and it just builds on top of each other. And, you know, you don't you don't really know who your actual ticket holders are. You only know who bought the ticket initially. And, you know, finding ways, like you said, it, it really does start with, you know, not to oversimplify it, but, you know, it really does start with just starting to do it right and starting to capture data that is accurate and build from there. Right. And you'll continue to build out um, more and more fruitful, um, you know, kind of section segments of data um, starting starting there. Yeah, I, I see. I'm only laughing because I actually think like if you make it simple, you get it. You make it easier for people to buy in. So, so I'm laughing because I'm like, well, oh, no, exactly. we make it simple as you want to, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we <laughs> go, we go. So simple. It's totally fine. Uh, all it. right. So let me. So now we we talked about everybody. Like most, we've talked about mostly the technology from the side of the team and from like our side, I want to flip it um, around and ask, you know, why is it in the, in the interest of a customer to change? And I told you a little bit, you know, I, I don't script anything. We don't like really like lay out what we're going to talk about. So none of this, this is always um, on the fly so that like I'm getting the honest answer from people, but I did tell you, in this case, and I'm telling people that I did say this just so you understood where I was coming from. Um, and it was because I, I know so many people, and it still happens, they still struggle with the, the to adapt to digital tickets and just mm -hmm. like, you know, the Ticketmasters or, you know, Vivid or any of these, these online like digital technologies. Um, I know that the pandemic has accelerated certain things, um, but I still wonder how do you make the sale to a customer to make it seem valuable to them? Because so much of it, it always seems like there's a heavy burden of work and complication and friction that's laid at the feet of the customer. Yeah. And they, I, I know just, it can be frustrating for people. It can be like, you know, it can probably cost people sales. Right. Mm -hmm. It can just be, you know, and, and people can also feel like it's intrusive because let's be honest, like in sports and concerts, well, not, not, this is mainly a sports thing, I, I think, mm -hmm. as much as anything, have not used the data well. Right. They've, mm -hmm. used, they've gotten data. They've gotten access to people's inboxes, whatever totally. it is, and they spam you. I mean, there's yep. no way of, there's no two ways about it. But basically, a lot of what happens with these offers and these partnerships and these things, uh, it's a spam tool for for people's inboxes. So mm -hmm. from a customer standpoint, why? You know, just totally. why, why, why should why should I even be considering this? You know, because there's so many other options for entertainment. Um, you're you're imposing this on me. And if I don't like it, you know, why mm -hmm. should I feel comfortable with it? Totally. And so, so just to, you know, take, take a quick step back for a second. So, you know, when we, when we talk about the software that we're building and our offering, um, you know, our, our kind of direct customers are the event producers and the venues and the teams, right? We want to give them control over the ticketing experience, create an integrated experience there. But ultimately, yes, the fans, you know, the fans do need to benefit here and, and the fans do need to be kept in mind when designing a ticket, ticket buying experience and, and, you know, all of this kind of stuff, which, you know, they, they're kind of the piece, the group that 
that kind of feels left out of this experience, right? And and they feel like, you know, for years, it's it's been a spot of, you know, like you said, frustration and pain, and it's very difficult to go through this process. They're not getting the support they need. It's, 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 you know, it's not as, it's not as seamless. And, and honestly, it takes away from a lot of the fun and a lot of the, um, you know, excitement around the experience itself, right? And that's another big thing that we want to help you know, um, we want to help bring back is like events are fun. They're, they're experiences. They're things that, you know, are supposed to be immersive and exciting. And, and, you know, you gather with your friends or you go, you know, you, you meet with new fans of a similar band or whatever it may be, right. You're, you're immersed in an experience. And so that for, for whatever reason, ticketing has been excluded from that, right. In a sense that it's not immersive, it just becomes something you have to do to get there. We want to change that whole mindset. So just just kind of high level there, but diving deeper into actually the fan benefits specifically, um, you know, there's there's a it comes down to a few main things in my in my opinion. One is just the ease of use and and creating a more seamless and simple ticket buying experience, right? So anyone, regardless of their age or or um, location or te- technological experience, that can be an easy and, and seamless, not painful experience for them. The second piece is knowing that the tickets you're buying are completely real. I think we've all had experiences like that. I know I have personally, um, where I've showed up to scan in my ticket um, and was told that it you know, wasn't a real ticket or that someone had already scanned it in. Um, so knowing that the actual ticket is real and not having to worry about that. Um, and then the last piece is, is creating ways for fans to engage with their favorite brands on a deeper level, whether that's their favorite sports team, their favorite musician, whoever that may be, but, but making them feel like they're, they're a part of something. They're a part of a movement. They're a part of, you know, a brand that, that cares about them and they care about that brand. Um, And so those are, when we talk about the benefits for the fan, it's, it is that it's, it's, you know, easier to buy tickets. It's knowing that when you buy your ticket, that you're getting something real, that it's going to get you into the actual show. And then in terms of the engagement piece, it's yes, you're getting this cool collectible ticket of the event you went to, but you're also getting potential opportunities to engage with, you know, those, those producers or those, you know, bands or those teams on a deeper level as well. Right. And we didn't dive too far into the kind of fan engagement side of things, but that could be, you know, rewarding fans for the, you know, events they've attended in the past or their purchase behavior at those events, or, you know, their, their social media engagement with, with the event producer, all types of things like that are are currently missing. Um, So finding a way to, to create a a deeper connection between the fans and the, and the actual, um, you know, event producers. Okay. So I'll start with the number three here first, which is to engage with, the brands and the teams and the artists on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, like, so if you tell me, if you say engage with brands, my, my knee jerk reaction is like, going, nobody wants to engage with Colgate or like <laughs> yes. Coca-Cola or any of that. That's a good clarifier. It's a good clarifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, so maybe I, it, because yeah. this is too, well, and I only bring this up, not for you. It's uh, but like for too many like marketers, they go, Oh, people want to engage with brands. No, it gives it. I don't care about the toothpaste. I buy the same toothpaste because yeah. it's the same one I always buy. I don't care. <laughs> um, but if it, it comes to engaging with um, teams and, and bands and artists much more, uh, um, 
you know, relevantly or mm -hmm. consistently or meaningfully, then that yeah. seems interesting. And then what you talked about was like some of the buying patterns and some of the habits that people have. So you're saying in a way it makes it easier to provide, uh, like I was talking to a guy from an MLS club, you know, that does in charge of revenue at an MLS club over the weekend. And we were talking about like doing something that would um, specifically be for season ticket holders that weren't in premium seats um, that we could offer some kind of happy hour benefit to mm -hmm. them in a yep. way that would allow them to come in early to experience the stadium earlier. That would alleviate some of that stress of having to rush in. So that makes it easier, right? Because yes. the promise is always like going, what is it um, now? I'm like what near field, what is it NF? Near field, NFC, near field, right? yeah. yeah, 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 near field, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, something like that. I mean, it, it works sometimes. It doesn't most. It doesn't work all the time, right? So you're. Mm -hmm. So this is something that you're. And again, tell me if I'm wrong. Would enable you to use something like that. That like the promise of that, but use it more effectively, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to have um, better technology, a better better data set, a better ability to segment that data and understand it and apply it in a meaningful manner. Exactly. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. No, 100%. that's. that's mm -hmm. See, I'm not as like bad at this technology <laughs> as I let on. I think I'm. I might be faking it most of the time. All right. So then, um, you talked about number two is knowing the tickets are real. Um, you know, how much of that is? Um, you know, I guess I want to. You know, I'm kind of curious because if you're in the business, you talk about it all the time. But yeah. like, nor like reg regular um, regular ticket buyers, they only talk about it almost never and then mm -hmm. you know and it only comes up if it ever if it ever happens mm -hmm. and while anytime it happens it's bad, it's bad and it's wrong from my point of view um you know is that something that's really going to make a difference for people like when they're you know adapting this technology yeah i would i would argue yeah 100 percent. and like and while you're right it's not something maybe it's not something that the buyer is thinking about at all hours of the night like you know keeping them up at night as they think about what <laughs> what concerts they're attending oh i don't know but but really at the same time like all it takes is all it takes is that one bad experience to really True, sell your mouth on something right so for me i'll give you an example right i i am originally born and raised in toronto i spent some time down in orlando working for the orlando magic um I'm a big hockey fan. The, the Leafs came to town. They were visiting the Tampa Bay Lightning. A friend flew in from Toronto to see the game. If, if you know, anyone listening knows anything about Toronto hockey tickets, they're really expensive and really hard to, to get in the building. So a chance to watch them in Tampa is a great opportunity. And so we bought tickets uh, on a secondary marketplace. I'll leave them unnamed for, for the sake of this. We bought, we bought <laughs> tickets on a, on a major secondary marketplace. We show up at the door and we go to scan in and we're told that the tickets have already been scanned in and we're left, you know, we're left, you know, with, with an hour and a half drive each way. My, my buddies come all the way in from Toronto for this game and we're left sitting there at the door. It's a sold out game. We don't have any recourse with the actual team because we bought, we didn't buy the ticket from them. We bought it from a secondary marketplace and we're stuck out there. Right. And we missed what, what turned out to be an incredible game. And so that just one experience like that, I, you know, 
talking with consumers, ticket buyers, friends, family, most people have had at least one experience and enough to think twice in future about where they're buying their tickets from, uh, how last minute they're buying their tickets, how good a price might seem based on market data, all kinds of things like that. Um, but ultimately, you know, creating a way for people to feel really comfortable that when they buy the ticket, they're not going to have to worry about that. And what better way to do that than to buy the ticket directly from the event producer and, and whose event you're actually going to. Right. Okay. I'll buy, I'll buy that. And you also, I, I also like the way you, you, you take the questions in the, with the spirit of their event. So I, I good. <laughs> yes. I think, so, so the ease of use, the final one here is the ease of use. And how easy is it? Because, you know, I think everybody, goes, oh, this technology is so easy. <laughs> so easy your grandmother can use it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, like, like put, you know, because we, we were talking about it from the, the point of view of the customer. You know, maybe it's easy for you, you and me, right? Because, um, you, well, you're definitely technology, technologically savvy, and I pretend to not be. So um, you, you are, know, Dave, you are. <laughs> I'm at least like not completely awful. Um, but how easy is it to use? Yeah. So, so, um, you know, from the fan side, um, you know, from both sides, it's extremely easy. Right. And and that's, that's a big part of our goal is, as we, you know, continue to, to, you know, build out our product and make changes there is making it super easy to set up an event as an event producer and, you know, add your inventory, design your ticket, right. Which is something that hasn't even been, you know, offered functionality in, in many cases, right. Or any cases, um, you know, giving, giving event producers that full control over the event creation, what the event page looks like, what the ticket looks like, and just and just making it making their lives easier instead of having to do you know super complex manual entry, being able to price live time on a venue map, you know live in real time on a venue map, right? Things like that could make a huge difference. And then on the fan side. Um, making it super easy as well, right? And and that's like one thing that's really exciting is some people hear, you know, this this NFT buzzword. It's obviously been thrown around a lot recently, right? Um, and and think, you know, how the blank do I, you know, buy an NFT, right? Like how how do I do that, right? And and in in most cases, from what we've seen, you have to have a crypto wallet set up. You have to have some Ethereum or Bitcoin to purchase. You know, you need to go to a, a special site, whether it's OpenSea or you know another place to kind of buy that NFT. In our case, we feel like these NFT tickets can be a really nice entry point into the NFT world for people who don't have any of that knowledge um, and and don't want to go through that complicated process because now just by buying a ticket um, and they're buying it directly from the event producer that's putting on the event they're getting an nft ticket and so it's an easier it's an easier experience of buying a ticket even without the nft blockchain piece um, but then it's also an easy way to get an nft um, for those who who might not understand you know or might or haven't had that opportunity to to buy one elsewhere okay so let me, let me so i've got this make sure i have this right so it's easier just in general but then it's also an added benefit. It's like going, you also feel cool because you're able to <laughs> experience cryptocurrency and NFT without all the trouble of exactly. all this like wallet and like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk jumping up and down on his chair on Oprah telling people how you've got to crush it uh, with, with cryptocurrency or you're a loser. Um, oh, okay, so I'll go for that. So the final final question here then. Yes. Is, you know, knowing that... Um, one of the big challenges that people are going to be facing is getting people to come back 
to events mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and reestablishing the demand curve and uh, reestablishing people's comfort in being in large crowds, like getting people back to events. You know, how does working with a technology like yours um, help market and sell events better, right? Especially since this is an emerging technology, it's a um, kind of a new idea for people. Um, you have said that, like, you know, the data that you're going to get will create just better data samples and data sets for people. But, it, you know, knowing we're starting from the point we're starting at now, you know, how can you help somebody now? Like, and how would it, how will it help people market and sell like immediately before, uh, and, you know, before it, they start gaining any of these benefits? Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, um, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things and, and, you know, I think it's a good place to start is, is just this concept of, you know, not treating, not treating the ticketing experience like a completely separate, you know, process that just gets you into an event, um, but instead, you know, making it really a part of the experience and, and bringing people in, creating something immersive, um, where ticketing, when you buy your ticket to an event, that feels like the start of the event, right? That feels like the start of the experience, not just something there, you go through this painful process, mm-hmm. and then you have your ticket and you wait weeks to attend, um, but that, you know, it's it starts to be exciting, right? So even like, you know, it makes me think of uh, just, you know, kind of related piece, but I think in your last newsletter, right, you talked about no-show rates and the fact that, you know, there's a real issue, right, with people buying their ticket and then not actually showing up or just, you know, just all these empty seats, even if the event is has sold well, people have concerns, right? People are like, is it worth the risk? Whatever it may be. Um, but ultimately, one of the cool pieces with, you know, this kind of technology is, is, like I said, starting to create that immersive experience when you buy the ticket and then starting to engage with those ticket holders as soon as they've made that purchase, right? And so you can even use the ticket itself to do that kind of engagement, right? And start to offer maybe, you know, little show teasers or maybe a, you know, preview of a set list if it's a concert or, you know, allowing them to like pre-order food and beverage or retail through the ticket, right? Leading up to the event, creating ways to get people engaged and excited about the event um, before it even starts, right? And and so, you know, starting that engagement cycle, starting that experience earlier um, and, and getting people excited so they do show up when the time comes. Um, and then the other piece is really around, you know, a going goes back to the collectibles element, right? And and providing something of value beyond just um, beyond just you know a, a barcode ticket that gets you into the building could be something incredible based on what happens at the event, right? If someone you know, if someone has an incredible game or someone has, you know, performs a song they haven't before, suddenly that ticket is a, is a piece of history, right? And has has real value to it. And then the final piece is, is you know, the way that the event producers and teams and, and musicians decide to use, um, you know, use this type of platform and engage with their fans, right? And we started to talk about things like fan clubs or, you know, um, opportunities to engage with fans on a deeper level, but you could start to encourage people to attend certain events or, you know, do certain things at those events, um, knowing that it could unlock future opportunities for them, right, to engage with that artist. Maybe they get pre-sale access if they show up early to a, to an event. Maybe they, you know, get um, a preview of an upcoming song on an album um, because they came. All kinds of things like that are possible and could get fans and and uh, attendees really excited about going to events and you know being there live, right? And and the types of things that that could unlock for them in the future as well. 
So if I had to boil it down to like a simple statement, then something like Tixology, working with that, working with you now would give you, you, your organization a chance to turn the ticketing aspect into just part of a larger experience. And it would recognize the totality of the experience that the experience doesn't start when you get to the building on the night of the show and it doesn't end when you get to when you leave at the end of the night it's ongoing exactly, exactly. from the moment really you find out the show probably probably actually i guess if i'm not misreading you you enable people to even go it's a chance to have the relationship from the the first time you hear a song right mm-hmm. like if i go back to like the 90s and the first time i heard um even flow or alive it would yeah. allow me to like have created that relationship that i've had with Pearl Jam or like Foo Fighters or any of these bands that that I love through all these years and recognizing that there is a way to have that relationship and have it you know go on with you forever and like your 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 connection does count totally. or am I wrong or am no, I nailed it? No, you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Right, making nailed it, it. making <laughs> making it you know easier and more fun to buy tickets on the fan side making it easier to know who your true fans are as an event producer and engage with them on a deeper level. And yeah, it doesn't just, it doesn't just start with, you know, scanning into the building, you know, now we're going to try and engage with these people and hope they have a good time. And then they go out the doors and that's it. Right. It's like, how are we, how are we creating a full event experience from the moment you hear about an event to when you buy a ticket to when you attend it and then the future afterwards until that next event. Right. So you got it. 100%. Hundred percent. Right, and, and if you're especially, I think about you and the maple leaves, right? So then, like every time you watch a game, even even if you're not there, you spend time watching through on your iPad or your TV. It adds up. It's all yeah. it all counts as it should. Yeah, because in the customer's mind, it does. So mm-hmm. it should always add up everywhere. There should 100%. just be a ledger. So I I can buy that. That I can totally buy. Yeah. All right. So where can people find you on the internet today? Yeah, so so um, you can find us at Tixology.com. Um, please check us out. And and um, and then, you know, me personally, uh, I'm Asher. I'm the CEO and co-founder. And you can you can reach me directly at Asher at Tixology.com if, if you'd like. You know, always happy to talk with event producers or fans and and, um, you know, help people help people fully maximize their their ticketing and, and uh, you know, figure out all what's possible here. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Let me know what you thought about my conversation with Asher Weiss. Send me an email. It is my name, DaveAtDaveWakeman.com. Let me tell you how you can find me. You can hit me up on my website. It's DaveWakeman.com. You can find me on the social medias of LinkedIn. You search for Dave Wakeman. I should pop up. You see that big head. Even though I'm sporting a beard currently, uh, you will get the smiling, cleanly shaved Dave. You can follow me on the Twitter. I'm at Dave underscore Wakeman. I'm still working on getting all one word Dave Wakeman, but we we move we march forward. Uh, make sure you check out the Talking Tickets newsletter, talkingtickets.substack.com. That is my weekly ticket newsletter. It talks about uh, the world of tickets with analysis. We talk about technology. We talk about marketing, uh, strategy, how to do things, profiles, all kinds of stuff from all over the world. It is global in perspective, and hopefully it is useful because enough people subscribe and read. Uh, but I'm always happy to have more, so check it out. 
talkingtickets.substack.com. Make sure you check out my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. You can find them at bookingprotect.com. The data, as we continue through this pandemic, uh, whatever stage we're at, uh, as we work to recover from the impacts of the pandemic, uh, the data is still clear. Refund protection has become a very important uh, decision for customers. Uh, the rate of uptake has, in some cases, doubled or more since the pandemic. Uh, lockdowns have ended, and refund protection has become a bigger part of the of people's carts. Uh, check it out, BookingProtect.com. We have some new ideas that I'm working on with Booking Protect uh, to help share information about the recovery, about how to use refund protection about how to generate revenue. So you're going to want to keep an eye on the website, bookingprotect.com. And if you don't know uh, Simon or Kat or Haley, uh, Kath, uh, any of the Booking Protect team, and you want to be directly connected with them, send me a note, daviddavewakeman.com, and I will hook you up with them. Uh, they are great people. They have the best refund protection service in the world. Um, check them out, bookingprotect.com. Finally, before I go, I don't think I did a whole lot of talking about me this time at the very start. So uh, either you're welcome or I'm sorry. I'll, I'll tell you more about what's going on later. Um, thank you for the notes about my recovery from the long COVID battle. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I know how tough this period is still continues to be for people. I know people struggling um, with, uh, with the world. Uh, don't be afraid to send me a note, daviddavewakeman.com, tweet me, uh, whatever. Uh, I want to be here for you, you know, even if it's just to like crack some jokes and cheer you up. Uh, I thank you all so much for listening uh, and I will talk to you soon. Take it easy. <laughs>